Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1. Brian spelled with an E, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. We've been doing this show since January 2017. And my second guest on that show, who was my co-host for two, three years, I don't know how long, he's actually today is our co-host, Mr. Alex Grossman. Alex, you there? Oh, Mr. Brian Johnson, how are you today? Woohoo! All right. So um, today's show is going to be a little bit odd because we may have to have a couple breaks here that we don't normally have. <laughs> but first of all, people don't understand about Ask Brian. It's spelled with an E-Y, and we go through a whole bunch of reasons. We're going to go through two or three of those now. We're going to go through them later on because our show is going to be a little odd today. So, Alex, what is one of the reasons why Ask Brian is spelled with an E? Well, you know what, Brian, because we're running out of time in our stay, the main reason is it's E for education by entrepreneurial experts with exceptional energy and enthusiasm. How's that? Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, get that energy level going. All right. Woohoo! That's right. All right, so normally we do have a little bit longer. We'll go on later on. We have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Eora Green. Did I pronounce that correct? Hello, that is perfect. Oh, wow. Thank you. I got an E for excellent. Okay. So um, <laughs> people don't know, you have a company, and what is the name of that company that you are founder, CEO it's of? It's called Freedom. It's called Freedom. I actually own Freedom, literally. Like, wow. I trademarked it and everything. I own Freedom. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So freedom. Is that a political movement, or is it a, uh, a product, or a service, or what is that? Oh, you're going to love this, but George, my- I loved George Michael growing up, and he was my first concert, so that's fine. <laughs> so, was, you know, Freedom 90 is the song, and it was like the best video ever, right? And I'm also, I was born in the Ukraine when it was still under Soviet rule. So freedom is political on that side for me, but nothing more political than free from toxins and all those horrible things that women put on their bodies really just about our bodies, ourselves, having our own personal freedom over what we put on ourselves. Well, just as a side note, I do have to say this. My grandfather was born about 10 miles northeast of Odessa. So, oh, wow. my gosh. Are we related? We might be related. <laughs> <laughs> my peeps, buddy. <laughs> we'll have to. Someday we'll go out for a drink and talk about it. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So what are the different types of products that you – first of all, how did you start the company? What made you decide, you know what, I need to start this company? So, you know, it was crazy. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, ever, 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 ever. Another reason. I had, but I, uh, I had a financial firm, and during a six-month period, I had three friends come in that were all diagnosed with breast cancer, all, mm-hmm. all within six months of each other. So 31, 41, and 43 at the time. And I have three daughters, and I thought, you know what, whatever they're drinking, I don't want it. And 
the doctors all came back with, you know, we all worry about what we put in our bodies, but nobody talks about what we put on our bodies. And I found that to be fascinating. Since women put about 12 chemicals, toxic chemicals on their bodies before the day even starts, every day. And think about it. You know, your toothpaste. I mean, did you know that antiperspirant was a drug by the FDA? Did you guys? I did not know. Only after reading your website, but no, not before <laughs> right? that. Yeah, every day you're putting a drug on your body, whether you know it or not. It changes the way that your body works. So I went out, I changed everything, right? And I had a lot of trouble finding a good natural deodorant. And I guess they just were, they sucked. Oh, my God, they were horrible. <laughs> and after buying every one I could possibly buy for a year, a friend of mine basically said, just make one. And I thought it was the stupidest thing that anybody could suggest. So, of course, I found a Pinterest recipe and made one. And... All I could think about was, this is a game changer. Like, everybody needs to have this. Nobody ever needs to touch any perspirant. And how do I get this out to the masses? And what does my packaging look like? I know that sounds really weird, but all I could think about for, like, weeks. And little did I know that I was about to start this company right out of my kitchen. So, first of all, how do you make a deodorant when you're (laughs) without a factory? Honestly, it's all food great ingredients, right? Because really, you can eat our deodorant, but they taste like crap. So, remember, I, you guys said no swearing. So, um, <laughs> but they don't taste good, but they are all natural food great ingredients. And it's very similar to actually making a soup, right? I mean, you're out on a stove, you add some ingredients, you know, when you add them in and out, you can taste it. Again, it doesn't taste good, but you can see the consistency. There's a lot of trial and error with anything, but yeah, you could it literally is like making a soup. So I'll take the lobster bisque deodorant, please. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. You can be honest with something there. Edible personal care products. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Alright, so you have this idea now, and you made this fragrance, okay, or not a fragrance, a deodorant, and you decided you're going to make it natural, correct? Absolutely. Because one of the things is you don't want to put any toxic things on on your body but my understanding i thought most deodorants have alcohol and most deodorants that's you know in order to make you smell or not smell or to take care of your perspiration you need to put something there and that's not natural is it no so actually we have our spray deodorant that has a little bit of natural organic alcohol in it but no our stick does not have any alcohol in it actually and no, you don't, and you don't have to put aluminum in there. If it says any perspirant, it has to have aluminum in there. So this shows about education. Guess what? I'm going to throw out an education bomb for you guys. Okay, you ready? ready? Okay. Go, go, go. So anything that is called antiperspirant, the reason it's called antiperspirant is because it was patented in the 1940s as a, a certain recipe, which you really can't do anymore, right? But it, for it to say antiperspirant, it has to have these ingredients in it, right? That was made in the 1940s. It has not been changed since then. Is that crazy, you guys? Wow, you know, so that's why yeah. you have to call yours a deodorant, not an antiperspirant, then. Correct. Because it doesn't because... have those bad ingredients in And just to let you know, Alex knows this. I'm a trademark attorney as well. And so the, Absolutely. the two biggest trademarks that people were unaware of uh, was Elevator was a trademark. Ooh. And so was Aspirin. Okay. And Aspirin was a trademark. And they lost their tra- they lost their trademarks because the name became so popular that people it was a lift, but they came out with the elevator lift, and so all of a sudden, boom, everyone was calling that. That's why they had commercials back in the seventies 
you can't Xerox a Xerox because if you could, they would have lost their name. So that's actually yeah. another oh. concept there with antiperspirant. Okay. That's so interesting that like if people have Kleenex and oh, we could go on and on. Now, now you've opened up Pandora's <laughs> box. I'm like, so what does that mean for Kleenex and Uber down the road? And no, are you <laughs> well, Kleenex? Yeah, that, that, that's um, a problem, right? That's why it's called oh, a facial tissue. So, facial tissue. Well, this is where antiperspirant basically came from, and they have not changed it at all since the '40s, which is horrible. And antiperspirant, it keeps you from perspiring. Antiperspiration. Get it? So it had to change the way your body works to minimize the perspiration levels by at least 30% to be considered an over-the-counter drug. So if you look at the back of an antiperspirant, it says active ingredient, which means it's an over-the-counter drug. That's one. So we're just a deodorant. So if you think about it, the word deodorant's got the word odor in it, right? Correct. So now you'll always remember how to spell deodorant, right? D-O-D-O-R, right? Deodor. So it gets rid of the smell because here's the thing, you guys. Your body needs to sweat. It's your natural air conditioner. It actually cools your body down automatically. And when it doesn't sweat, it tends to overproduce. So if you try to block that sweat, you guys, so a lot of people are like, hey, I sweat a bunch, right? So you put on more antiperspirant. Well, that's actually counteractive. So your body's trying to cool itself down. It's got to breathe. And when you get rid of the antiperspirant and you let your body naturally perspire, you actually don't perspire as much as you think you do. It's actually a lot less. So here's a question. Wow, I've been really educated today, there, Mark. <laughs> this, this is great. It doesn't take a lot to educate somebody who used to work with Steve Jobs. So anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so honored right now. I am so honored right now. My gosh. I had to throw that one in there. So, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> now, lots of people want to know about starting this company, right? So you have this yeah. concept, you know, you, you need something out there, you, you know, people are putting too many chemicals on, on their bodies as it is, mm-hmm. you're trying to lower that because you think that's one of the causes of cancer, etc. So my question is, that's a concept, I don't know if it's been proven yet, probably is, is true, I don't know, but how do you create a company from that? You know, it's great to have an right. idea, but, you know, I got 10 ideas a second, so, you know, what? how do you make it into a company? Right, so uh, very carefully... And the funny thing is, creating a company can give you cancer as well. We'll get into that in a second. But, um, is that a slide on legal steps? Okay, yeah, go ahead. No, oh, yeah. I'm telling you. So, okay, so t- technically we cannot say that any person causes cancer because that link has not been put together. But if it smells like a duck, it looks like a duck, it feels like a duck, it's usually a duck. And quack, that quack. was one duck I didn't, exactly, did not want the duck. We started very slowly. We started in my kitchen. So I basically took a little baggie. It was actually my daughter's um, lunchbox, and I started at the Mirage Hotel and hit every single spa along the way until I got to the Four Seasons, which is in Mandalay Bay at the very end of the block, hoping somebody would pick up my product and put it in their spa. I didn't know how to build this, right? I knew nothing about retail, zero, okay? I was a financial advisor. I ran a financial firm, right, for 20 years. And so finally everybody said no. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to work for me. And then at the very end, the Four Seasons basically said, if you change your packaging and make it look prettier, we'll give you a PO. Wow. So my very wow. first PO was the Four Seasons. It wasn't anything huge, but they sold out in three days. And you started and at I the thought, top. Yeah. And so, but see, that's the whole thing. When you have something like that, then you go to everybody else and say the Four Seasons is carrying it, right? Absolutely. Right. 
Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> um, they're like, hey, if the Four Seasons is carrying it, then we need to carry it. So then we went to Canyon Ranch, and year of all. And next thing you know, we're in over 400 locations, right? It was pretty crazy. And we had to take it from the kitchen. Then we had like a rented uh, restaurant supply place that we would rent on a Wednesday at 6 o'clock at night, and we would work till 2 o'clock in the morning making deodorant. Wow. Okay? And we're literally carrying out big black garbage bags of deodorant. It looks like we're grabbing garb, you know, like body bags out at two o'clock in the morning. Who body bags, deodorant. Body bags, Las Vegas. Where, where, where are we going? Right? Here? <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. It all makes sense, right? I saw, I saw that movie Casino. Casino, Casino with that Joe, exactly. Pe- Joe Pesci. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm taking a picture of anything else there. Just so you, know, you need money in a startup. You got to get it anyway. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. So, um, at this point, I had sold my financial firm, so that was my first exit, and I took all that money and put it into this company, which was actually a mistake, right? I didn't know you could raise capital um, or anything like that, so I was like, what is that? And you know what, guys? It was not that easy, because there was another deodorant company that was out there around the same time, and they are like, oh, yeah, people are throwing money at us, and I'm in Vegas, I'm a woman, and I'm making a deodorant company, and everybody's like, huh, that's a fun hobby. <laughs> you know, it was like, you've got, it's really, yeah. Those first two years were very interesting. So we built it up, built it up, specializing with five, and um, turned around and, you know, COVID hit. And what happened with spas during COVID? They closed. Exactly. <laughs> closed up. Right? So I'm like, well, crap. What do I do now? And little did I know that this is called a pivot. <laughs> so we're starting to make deodorant wipes and I said how different are those from sanitizing wipes of course everybody's making sanitizing wipes and I'm like well let's make some too and we ended up picking up Alaska Airlines and Southwest Airlines as our clients those are um, pretty big clients to pick up yeah that's what I that's what they tell me and it's so funny because I was like how did you get that and I'll tell you I started asking everyone and their mothers what my friends did who they knew how do I get in front of somebody? Like, my friends are so annoyed with me by that point. But I had a friend that worked with an airline and said, let me introduce you here. And next thing you know, this person wanted to talk to me there. And here you go. There you go. You know, you're you know? someone who, uh, who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. You have <laughs> all the entrepreneurial instincts that anyone could ever have. And your story reminds me of a movie my, by, by admission, by the way. My wife and daughter are both users of your products. So, but by admission, the movie Baby Boom, that was one of my wife's favorite movies, is like almost her exact story. So, Diane Keaton, people should now watch that and they'll they'll get an idea of your story. That's really really interesting because two types of people, right? Those who want to be entrepreneurs their whole life, those who never want to be entrepreneurs, but it just goes to show if you have the instinct and you follow through, you can do it. So, my question is, how much work was it? I, I mean, was it harder than you thought, or did it all just fall in place? Were you like Brian yeah. Johnson here with six companies where, you know, they, he just starts a new one every week, or is it, uh, you know, was it hard? Brian, you want to just come over and take over my company? Because I'll give it away in two seconds. So. As soon as the lobster piss deodorant is out, I'll be there. I can see it now. I can make it for you in two seconds. So. So, you know, I'll be honest with you. At first, it was like, this is everything I kind of wanted to do, right? Because I love solving problems. And entrepreneurship is full of problems every day. That's, I mean, you're a fireman. You're putting out fires every single day, right? 
And I didn't know how much it actually affected me and how stressed that out actually was until I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer a year ago, right after, you know, COVID and everything else. And they, mine was an, what's called an estrogen positive cancer, which doesn't just mean that it's a girl cancer. It means that my cortisol levels were high and my estrogen levels, it raised my estrogen levels. So cortisol, of course, comes from what, guys? Stress. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think you knew somebody who passed away from cancer as well, who was pretty, you know, his life, his work was pretty much his life, right? Absolutely. Right. Stress will do so, it. Stress will do it. So when, when asked how stressful is running a business, I, you know, <laughs> you could ask my boobs that I didn't, I don't have anymore. But I actually do have new ones. Don't worry. They're fabulous. The new ones are much better than the old ones. But that's a whole different story. But it's very stressful. It's much harder than I thought. Much harder. There are times that some people ask me, they're like, would you do it again? And I'm like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. As much as I love it, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, and of course, we had to do it during COVID and we had to raise capital and everything else. It's a lot of work. It's not all the glamour that you see, you know, and there's a lot more to it that I didn't know. Maybe in a good way. I wish I would have known. And as far as, you know, raising capital or building a team, those are things that as a woman, you guys, we're not raised with that. You know, we're told to get married and take care of our spouses and our kids and our parents. And, you know, that's what we're raised with. Right. And, and you have um, three lovely children that you have to I do. still raise as well. Right. That's another. I do. Stressful. I yeah. have three yeah, I have three kids. I have parents. You know, I have three teenage daughters, you guys. I have three kids within 18 months of each other. I've always been an overachiever. It's really weird. All right. So uh, you were talking about your family, and which is very important. Right. I mean, you can't. everything people do in life is for their family. I know some people disagree with me. That's the whole point of life, right, is to make it better for your children, your family. That's the key, right? So that's what I think. That's the American dream, too, right? That's well, freedom. There's your thing. All right. And and we're speaking to Miss Freedom, or Mrs., I should right. say. <laughs> so we see the marketing that you've done so far, which is basically going door-to-door and asking connections to try to connect to people. But do you have a more formal marketing system in place now, or are you still using the same knocking on doors and, and calling up uh, friends and family? So you guys, I uh, know we have uh, the social. I'm a keynote speaker in so many different places. I just spoke at Texas Tech, which is awesome. I hate to do this to you guys. My dad just knocked on the window. I have to go in and see. I'm at the emergency room with not, my father, and they just called him in. Not a problem. We'll be talking about uh, This is what life is all about, Europe. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. We'll be Thank here. you, guys. I'm no problem. So sorry. Not a problem. Okay. Bye. Alex, you there? Yes. Yeah, so, Brian, there we go. There's another... Real entrepreneurial story, single mom, entrepreneur, cancer survivor, did it all on her own, you know, built a business, and, and, that's, and never wanted to be an entrepreneur. How, how incredible is that story? Well, I mean, let's what, be honest. What's incredible about that story is that she just used her instincts, right? I mean, that's just, right. to me, is pure, you know, you don't need to go to college and get the MBA from Warden or something, you know. What makes common sense? By the way, I always say common sense isn't very common. The reality is if you have common sense, you know, you don't need those degrees to go out there and 
oh my god, you have a PhD. It doesn't really matter. You just need to do the right things, and the right things are right. exactly the things that she was doing. I mean, you know, she just figured it out in her head. You know, hey, listen, I want to sell this product. I, you know, it, it'd be nice to sell it to some hotel on the Strip, and she just went from place to place. I mean, when I uh, was in law school, and my first summer, they don't hire first-year associates. They usually wait, want to have one more year. So what did I do? Well, this is in the old days. I picked up the yellow pages, and I called every attorney. The what? The what? Exactly. What? Yellow what? No. <laughs> picked out the yellow pages and went down the list. And, you know, I got to B-E-R-G, so I'd gone through all the A's and m- many of the B's, and I was, what, maybe 100 down the list, and some guy said, all right, why don't you come in? And that's how I got a job, right? That's the entrepreneur spirit. That's the thing of you got to do things outside the box to create things. Now, I don't know. I really wish we could get more of her story, and maybe she'll be able to come back. Maybe if not now, we'll have her on another show. But the reality is to be able to be a keynote speaker at Texas Tech and and whatever, uh, and to have the website and have the company going, obviously her story, we need to get more information about the story, but it is obviously quite an accomplishment to just to be has have gone as far as she did. Now, getting back to the ease. So, Alex, that was really interesting the way you tried to do the ease and just put them all in one sentence, one paragraph, and that's good. But it doesn't have the same oomph when you just do it, like, all in one. So we try to separate it out for each one, right? Now, so one of the things is to be an expert on Ask Brian, that requires 10,000 hours. And we pretty much tell people you need five years. But that's not... Five years of experience to be an expert. That is correct. That's... That's a lot of time. It is a lot of time, and can it be condensed? Sure. You know, you know, if you're working in some companies or on your own to start a company, you can easily do that in two years. Okay, probably so not. We took, yeah, we took Yara, and she's working 100 hours a week, right? Five years based on 40 hours a week. She'd be there in two and a half years, right? She'd be an expert, right? But two and a half. I consider her an expert. How about you? Well, I think we discussed that uh, texting early today about what you're an expert in. <laughs> And I'm an expert at, at impromptu interviews. That's what I, I get my stick on, impromptu interviews and never following the book, even though I'm a lawyer. Interesting concept. So <laughs> let's get back to where we're at. The reality is she had a financial background, which is good, right? When you have a financial background, at least that part of her business was fine. And then she had the guerrilla marketing tactic of going door-to-door to try to get the customers. And the production was what? In a kitchen. I did want to ask her, and you know, I know you have a production background. You know, how hard is it to go from the kitchen to the manufacturing factory? Is that a, a big step? I mean, you have a manufacturing background. Sure, I, I think what she did, though, I, you're right. It's it's the gut instinct she had and the drive that she had, and, and really, it's about the formula. So she had to build the formula. Once you know what all the raw components are, and you know how long, quote unquote, you have to cook them then it's easy to hand to someone who has the expertise in there and just say, here is my formula. I need you to scale it up. That's really what it takes. But in all that, you know, you have to write the procedures. You know, when you're doing your kitchen, you know, I put a dash here and, a, you know, a, a, they, you weigh everything out is the way you end up doing it, right? You weigh it all out and you go, I have this much, this many ounces of this, this many ounces of that. When you scale it up, though, and you go from, say, making one gallon of something to making a hundred gallons of something, it doesn't always scale in a linear fashion. And that's where she probably had a, quite a bit of time scaling that up. But as she, as she said, she started by renting a facility 
and still kind of cooking her own deodorant herself and getting it to scale before she brought it to someone. So that, that's actually a pretty big feat. And, but it's not uncommon for people to do that, you know, to take that on before they, they send it out. I wish we would have gotten to how she's keeping up with production now, but that's for the next show, right? We'll hopefully get her back on and, and talk in depth about that. I'm sure she'll be on on a later show, and she might even come back later today. We don't know. But, you know, the other part of, of that business, and I think it's a huge part of that business, is packaging, right? I would have liked to ask her a little bit more about that. Maybe you know something about that as well. I mean, so great. So you have this great recipe. You you know that the product is good, but, you know, packaging, I think, is very important. I mean, how you package something can determine whether or not it's going to sell. Yeah, it's the marketing about it, too, right? The messaging and the story. And as she said, she loves the pitch, right? She's very good at it. And that pitch and that story has to connect to your audience. Marketing is all about connecting your audience. Know thy audience, you know, personal personas and, and all the like. And I think she's done a good job at that. And, and, you know, the good thing about having a deodorant brand, and now she's, she's, you know, she has wipes, she has other things, is that she has some rules to follow. Deodorants come in a stick. They come in a spray. She didn't invent, invent anything new in there. She just was following uh, packaging that other people had spent a lot of money designing and working with. So that's another thing a great entrepreneur gets is that you leverage what's already out there in the market rather than inventing everything yourself. Because if you have to invent everything yourself, you're likely to fail as opposed to leveraging, you know, technologies, methodologies, things that are already in place and leveraging them for the best outcome. Uh, and I think, I think she's done it. And, and remember this as well, Brian, is that this, this business has only been, been in there a couple of years. I mean, for someone to go from just before the pandemic, drive through the pandemic, and see the level of success that she's seen in this short period of time, that's incredible. That, that's really incredible. People slog these things out for 10 years and never get past that point that you were talking about, calling your friends and, and family and going door to door where she has, you know, national distribution and some really big names. I mean, she mentioned Southwest Airlines. That's not an easy one to crack. I'd have a hard time walking in to Southwest and getting a deal, right? That's, That's pretty incredible. She's done a great job. Now, you know, she really didn't get into, and this is a point that I, I know that entrepreneurs have this issue with, is cash flow and finance, right? I mean, so she did say she had an exit. And she did have a financial business, whatever, and so she was able to sell it out. But the reality is cash flow is very big. It doesn't matter if you're starting a very tiny business with, you know, you're selling $1,000 worth of product or you're selling a billion dollars. The fact of the matter is that any business along its historical level always needs more cash. In order to scale, you need cash. You need cash for marketing. You need cash to hire employees. And by the way, when I use the word cash, I'm not saying cash in terms of, okay, you know, give me my Ben Franklin's. We're talking about cash in the sense of money or access to money. That can be through VCs, credit lines, uh, are, you know, are very big, investors, bondholders. When I use the word cash, I include that all of. But the reality is to create a product, you need a lot of money. You can't just sit there and say, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, I came out with a great laptop. I'm going to sell it. Well, the amount of money. You would need to create a factory, even if you're using somebody else's factory and only borrowing the time to make the components part of the time. It's a big, big process, and, and it costs a lot of money, right? So it doesn't matter. She made a mention there. She made a mention there, Brian, which was very interesting. She said 
she used her own cash from her exit in order to do that because she didn't realize that she could go out and get other capital. And I think she regrets that. And I think that's, you know, I'm not saying I haven't made that mistake personally myself as an entrepreneur, but I think that's one of the interesting things. And it also, it's also, we make this mistake. You, you bring up the biggest point is we always assume that we're going to get to cash flow, you know, positive or at least break even a lot sooner than we normally do. And so because of that, the number one thing that kills a lot of companies is you just run out of cash. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't operate without cash. You'll run into your, you'll run your credit lines up. A lot of people end up putting their personal credit cards and driving those up. So, you, you know, cash, as you say, is king and how you get it, how you have access to it is probably one of the things you should always think about even before you start the business, right? I mean, business formation is the key. What type of business am I going to have? You know, we were talking about that, right? Like you're, you're an expert at this. Let's take it this way. So if I want cash in my business, you mentioned VCs. What kind of business structure do I need to get a VC? If I'm a entrepreneur and I'm a single ownership company or I'm an LLC, can I go take VC money or do I have to be a corporation? How does that work? Well, it's certainly much easier to get from a corporation, although more and obviously you can't go public as an LLC, but there are more and more people getting involved in the LLC part of it. But reality-wise, investors typically go to corporations. They don't typically go to LLCs. It has the combination of being a partnership versus the limited liability protection of a corporation. But most people do try to go there. So Alex, ERA is not here, and it's ERA Green. Since she's not here, people want to know, okay, I want to get more information about the products that she sells. We know it's the Erdogan, but there are other products too, and they want to find out some more information. And you have looked that up. You have that information. So can you tell the audience how they can get more information about the products for Freedom Dealer? Yeah, Ira and her team, they have a URL. It's Freedom Deodorant, just the way it sounds, .com. And there's a lot of information about on her website about this. I, I find it really interesting. She's got a few touching blogs up there and a lot of FAQs about what she was talking about, quite, quite a bit of information about why, you know, getting body toxins into the body are, are bad for you and a lot of good, you know, sensible information about how you can treat your body a little better and hopefully prevent disease. I mean, we all, we all do this. We take, we take supplements, we try to exercise, we do the right things, but we do put a lot of bad things in our body and on our body. And I think as a woman entrepreneur, and I, I did mention this, my wife and daughter are both uh, users of, of her product. I, I feel better about using natural products whenever you can. So freedomdeodorant.com. Wow, that's super. And then you know, each week while we are in the radio station, you can get a YouTube video of it. Uh, the following week. You can also watch it on the Facebook Live as the show is going on. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, so you can look at that at any time. Go to hometownstation.com, KHTS. But also, we have a podcast version. The podcast version doesn't have the commercials, so maybe you don't want to listen to the commercials or you don't want to speed over them. You can do that. And podcast versions are available probably in about a week to 10 days from now. Uh, you can get it on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, anywhere that you listen to a podcast, you can watch or listen to the Ask Brian radio broadcast for that week. And we've had a, quite a few founders on here. Alex is a founder as well. People are unaware of that. Our current guest, Ira, is a founder. And we've had founders such as 
Oatly Milk Learning Annex, and tons and tons of other companies. We've been doing about 50 shows a year for six and a half years, so we're probably at the 320 to 350 range. So we've done quite a few shows, and each week we try to educate people. If you can learn something from our show, then that's our goal. And it can only be one thing. That's all we need. So, Alex, we were talking about you know investors, and obviously they do like LLCs, but they really, really prefer corporations. Why? Because if you look at all the corporations on the Dow Jones Industrial or anywhere else on the publicly traded companies, you really have to be a C-Corp. That's the only option you have. Uh, one of the reasons being is sometimes people ask about an S-Corp. Well, an S-Corp has a limitation of about 100 shareholders, so that's never going to work. And then LLCs, they've only been around. Like, for instance, California, first LLC law came about in 1995. And the first LLC ever was in Wyoming in 1979. So corporations have been around, you know, hundreds of years before even America was founded. There were corporations, uh, the Magna Carta and corporations that were sending Columbus over here. So there's been a corporations really have a longer history. Little tidbit. There. Yeah, it's very, very true. I mean, it's, it's interesting because if people always think it's really expensive, that that's the reason I think people don't form corporations more often. I mean, my first, entrepreneurial escapade was, of course, a sole proprietorship because that's where you start, right? It's pretty cheap and easy to do it. And if, if you're like me and you're in California, even starting an LLC, there's a lot of paperwork. You know, you can do it wrong. Take it from me. If you do it wrong, you'll pay fines. That's not always a good thing. And uh, you'll pay a lot of money. And, and knowing which one to start, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, I've, I've done it both ways. I started a small company that grew really big and I wish I'd started as a, as a, a C Corp, but I started as an LLC and then I registered as an S Corp and then became a C Corp. And I've gone the other way where I started as a C Corp and maybe it was small enough where it should have been just a consulting business as an LLC. So, you know, I, I know you're a fan of, uh, of people learning and being educated. And that's, that's the whole reason for Ask Brian is to educate people on how they can better themselves and do it. But what steps would you suggest they take? I mean, you, you've done this for a lot of people. How do you go about knowing this? What, what's the best way to learn? Well, first of all, you do need to understand, even if you've decided to go to an attorney, and the attorneys are going to charge you over $2,000 to form a corporation, even if you went to an attorney who supposedly has the information, you've still got to know, right? You know, Even if you're developing a website, you don't want to just develop the website just because you got that idea and you want to know how it looks it's always better to know a little bit about it because that way you know if the person you're working with really knows what they're talking about, right? So it's always good to have a little bit of knowledge. Now, for a corporation, you know, you have to know the basics. And the basics, you can go probably to Google. You can go to Legal Steps. They have information there as well. And I'll teach you and show you, okay, listen, there are four or five different ways you can go. You can get a sole proprietorship. That's one person. You can go in a, a partnership. That's two or more people, you know, an LLC, which is a hybrid between a corporation uh, and a partnership, and then you can go the corporation route, and you have a C-Corp and an S-Corp. Unfortunately, you're going to have to read about that on Legal Steps, because right now, we're out of time. Over and out, KHGS 1220, 98.1 FM, The Ask Brian Show. Thanks a lot. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.